the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let me just say this to you. Don't ever give up. We are called to abide in Christ. We are called to walk in Him. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Hey, this is part two of a study we started last time in 1 John chapter 3. We read the first few verses, and it was telling us not once but twice that we are the children of God. Then we kind of looked over at Romans chapter 8, talking about the fact that we have been adopted by God, and we are the children of God, and and that we can now cry out to the Father now, Abba, Father, meaning Daddy, Daddy. Well, as we get back here to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, When he appears, that we will be like him, meaning we will have a spiritual body, and we will have to put off this natural body, as we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, that says, So also in the resurrection of the dead, it is sown a perishable body, but it is raised an imperishable body. So what he's saying is, like, one day when we die, this body that we live in, you have to kind of understand the spiritual nature of our body here. See, this physical body is like a tent. You, who I'm talking to, who's listening on the radio right now, I'm not talking to your body. I'm talking to you. You are a spirit, and you live inside of your body. Well, as you know, this body's going to die one day because it's perishable. There's a shelf life on this body. In fact, the Bible says it's appointed for each man to die once, and after this comes judgment. So every man and every woman is going to die one day. In fact, there's a pretty amazing statistic that goes along with that, and it's one out of every one person dies. So there's no question on that. We know that everyone's going to die, but you, your spirit, is going to live forever. For those who come to know Christ as their Savior, for those who are the children of God, to those who are joint heirs with Christ in heaven, we will be raised with an imperishable body, meaning Meaning, we will go directly into an eternal body. So our spirit now dwells in a spiritual body. But more so, we, the Bible says, will be like him. We will no longer have a sin nature. Hey, how about that? No longer a desire to do what's wrong. You know, and he's starting that process in us now while we are still in these bodies. See, we are to love like Christ's love. See, so he's already starting that new lifestyle that we're supposed to have, to love like Christ loves, not based on how someone looks. For God doesn't look at the outward. He only looks at the inside. We're to forgive people that have harmed us, like just like Christ has forgiven us. And that's not an easy thing to do. 
And when people mistreat us, it's like, oh my goodness, you work to forgive them? In fact, Jesus said, if we don't forgive other people, then he won't forgive us. But wait a second, that person hurt me. Listen, we have to understand, when we forgive someone, it's not because they deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. They hurt you. They probably purposely hurt you. They did bad things to you. They don't deserve it. But we don't also deserve to be forgiven by God. We've also sinned before God. And so we have to understand when God's asking us to forgive others, he's only asking us to do what he did for us. Well, when we come here to our next thought here, as we're looking at 1 John chapter 3, our next thought is abiding in him. Let me read you the text here. It says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. That's Jesus, of course. And in him, Jesus, there is no sin. And no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, well, he's of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appears for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother." Wow, that's a handful. Now, that has been taken out of context many times. So let's break this down so that we have a clear understanding of what this portion of Scripture is talking about. Because at first read, this can be an extremely discouraging portion of Scripture for the true believer in Christ. And you say, well, why? Because we love the Lord, right? And when we read that in Him there is no sin— And in verse 6, it says, no one who abides in him sins. For those of us who are honest, we know that at times we still struggle with sin. So what does that mean? Even there's times when we willingly sin as Christians. So therefore, we could think to ourselves, well, if no one who's born of God sins, then I'm toast. Then that means That's when the devil comes in and says, how can you call yourself a Christian? You just sinned. The Bible says that no one in him will sin, you know, because I've sinned and I've done this thing. So therefore, I've come to the conclusion that therefore God doesn't love me anymore. As we wonder what we're supposed to do then. Do I have to give myself to Christ again and again and again and again? No, not at all. First, we must remember, understand, Scripture always interprets Scripture. So let's take a moment to see what he is not saying here first. So this is what he is not saying. He is not saying if a child of God sins, he is no longer a child of God. He's not saying that. Because if we go back to chapter 1 of First John, the Apostle John, through the Holy Spirit, already laid the foundation of truth on this very subject. Okay, so Scripture interprets Scripture. So we're going to go back to chapter 1, and what does it say? It says in 1 John 1, 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him, meaning, hey, I'm a Christian, 
And yet we walk in darkness, we're a liar, and we do not practice the truth. Okay, so now you're thinking, well, Pastor, you're not helping me. I feel even more discouraged now because I do say that I have fellowship with him. I do say I'm a Christian, but there's times that I've walked in darkness. So am I a liar then and I don't practice the truth? So again, that verse seems to back up what we just read in chapter 3. And this is why we study the Bible in context, meaning we can never just pull one verse out of context without considering what is before it and what comes after it. We must consider who is being talked to, what is being said, and what are the circumstances that brought about the word. So First John is being written by who? The Apostle John a man who personally walked with Jesus for over three years. He was personally called by Jesus with his brother James on the beach at Capernaum. He and his brothers were known as the sons of thunder because of their great zeal that they had for the Lord. But yet their zeal was misplaced at times. We know that the Lord had, you know, loved John. And he was part of the trio of the Peter, James, and John crew that were often pulled aside by the Lord for special events, like seeing a little girl raised from the dead in Mark chapter 5, or, or seeing the glorified Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration in, Mount, in Matthew 17, and praying for the Lord personally in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, right before he was abducted and taken and crucified. Then, because of the special bond that John, in particular, had with Jesus himself, he was not only one of the original 12 disciples, but he was the only one of the 12 that stood at the cross as Jesus was dying, as he hung, bled, and died for the sin of all humanity. And Jesus spoke to John as he hung, dying on the cross, and gave the care of his mother Mary into his hands of the Apostle John here. So John, we know, is a reputable source. And the book of 1 John was written to who? To all Christians, to all true believers everywhere for their encouragement. Now, he stated in chapter 1 that if you just say that you know Jesus, but you walk according to this world, then your life is just a lie. But the Apostle Paul also said this that backed that up in Titus 1.16. They who profess to know God, but by their own deeds deny him, being disobedient and detestable and worthless for any good work. So what is the key here? What is the key to all this? Because you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm still discouraged here. I'm still like, it's like, am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? Because I do have sin in my life at times. The key here is if you're not walking are pursuing, are going in a direction of following Christ, then you're not following at all. So John is not saying if anyone sins, because we all sin, right? We have all fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we came to Christ in the first place. And we will never be sinless, though, as we follow him in the sanctifying process that God has in our life, we can sin less and sin less and sin less. But there will be fruit in our lives as we grow as Christians. And so we will sin less. If we go back to chapter 1, verse 6, it says, If we say that we know him, but yet we walk in sin, then we are liars and the truth is in us. But notice what he says in verse 8. 
He says right after that, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he's not saying that a believer will never have sin in his life because he just said in verse 8, if we say that we don't have any sin, we're deceiving ourselves. But he goes on to say in verse 9, but if we confess our sin, if we agree with God when we do something wrong, God is always faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So yes, as the children of God, if we stumble and fall, when we sin, when we make a wrong decision, when we are truly sorry, we go back to the Lord and he forgives us. Because if we say we have no sin, we are what? Deceiving ourselves. And then he goes on in verse 10 and he says the same thing again. We are sinners at times. So getting back to chapter 3, when he says that no one sins if you're walking with Christ. He's not talking about the person who's following Christ and falls into a sin and you struggle with a sin occasionally. He's talking about a person that is walking, that is habitually continuing in that sin. See, when we as Christians fall to a sin and we do something wrong and we sin against God, we do as what David did in Psalm 51.10. We say, oh God, forgive me. Before you and you only have I sinned. Remember how David pleaded to the Lord? He said in verse 10 of Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. See, God never forsook David and David fell into sin quite a few times, you know, doing things that were wrong. But every time he came back to the Lord, he always got right with the Lord and God was faithful and just to forgive him. Just like it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Why do we go through all these steps in the Bible? Why do we test Scripture against Scripture? Why do we interpret Scripture by Scripture? Because at Core Church Los Angeles, we want to teach the truth of God's Word. It's not always what we want to hear, but it's always what we need to hear. And I want to invite you out to Core Church Los Angeles. I want to make you a welcome guest at our church. Why don't you come and check it out? Because maybe possibly you could really grow in your relationship with Jesus. And that's all we're concerned about. And if you live too far away, we have a free app that you can download on your phone or your tablet that has tons of messages on there. And there's messages for every aspect of life to help you grow and mature in this walking relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're concerned about. That's why we call our radio program Core Truth Radio. And so again, if you're anywhere close to us in Los Angeles, get in your car and drive. If you're listening on one of our radio stations out on the East Coast, Download our free app. And remember, all of our services are live broadcast. So we have two Sunday morning services at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. That's Pacific time, of course. So those on the East Coast, you have to add three hours to that. And then we do a Sunday night service. It's called Day One at Core. And that's at 6.30 p.m. So we invite you out to come and grow in your relationship with Christ. But getting back to where David had cried out in Psalm 51 over his sin, he said, Create in me a clean heart. Give me 
a new heart is what David was saying. You know, and he goes, give me a heart that desires to please you. And we have that assurance that Jesus will never depart from us. Why? Because he promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. And that's a great thing to know. But that's when we seek his forgiveness. You know, we're told that he is faithful and righteous to forgive and to cleanse us from all that we've done wrong. But notice the fruit that should follow. As David pointed out in Psalm 51, he says that we should teach sinners the truth of sin and forgiveness so that sinners can be converted. We, like King David, should be so thankful that God is so gracious and so merciful to us that we are excited to share this message of forgiveness with others. But getting back to our text here in chapter 3, let's pull all this together. The key to this verse in chapter 3, verse 4, it said, everyone who practices sin in the King James Bible, it uses the word commit sin. But the word in the original language means doing, performing, and practicing. Does that make sense? So when he says that if you are practicing sin or committing sin, you're not a child of God, what it means in the original language is that you continually are doing, you are continually performing, and you are practicing that sin. So the New American Standard Bible that I read out of uses the better word than the King James Bible. It just means that, that you are practicing this thing. It's the person who is habitually living in sin. See, now that's different now. See, there's one thing when you and me as a believer are struggling in a particular sin, and it flares up occasionally, and we're always having to battle that thing. And it's a completely different thing if you say, I'm a believer, but you are continually living in sin. Like you're committing that sin every day with no desire to change whatsoever. That person, you say you profess Jesus, but your life is saying something completely different. Does that make sense to you? This, again, is not the person who's struggling with sin or battling an area in their flesh and occasionally a falling to it. Yes, the person who practices the sin is the person who's living in it again with no desire to change. It's doing something that God has said is wrong in his word, and it doesn't matter to you. We see a lot of this in, quote, progressive Christianity, which may, I suggest to you, is not Christianity at all. Because many progressive Christians, what they're saying is, I believe in Jesus and I believe in the Bible. But then when they're confronted on something, oh, well, I don't believe in that part of the Bible. Or I don't believe in the Bible says this. Or I don't believe in the Bible says that. And so therefore, they try to justify the area of sin that they're living in because they, quote, personally don't believe in that part of the Bible. But see, we're not given that luxury. We're not given that option. We're not given the option to pick and choose which sins that we feel are okay and which sins are not. So we live here in America where we have passed certain laws that say now certain things are legal. And so we might say, well, yeah, but it's legal to do this. It's legal to have this. It's legal to have an abortion and what have you. Well, it might be legal to have an abortion, but understand that's still taking a life and that's still sin against God. 
So even though uh, an American law or a United States law might say it's okay to do something, God's law will always, always usurp whatever laws that we have in our books, and it will always supersede whatever laws we think are right or wrong in our own mind. See, again, we are not the creator. We are the created being, and we have to answer to God. So whatever pop culture says, it doesn't matter what they say. And if they say it's okay, and yet it violates God's law, it doesn't matter. You have to go with God's law above pop culture. Verse 8 said in chapter 3, he says that if you practice sin, remember that you're living in it habitually, he says you are of the devil. And that's why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So he said in verse 9, no one who is born of God will practice or commit sin, meaning you will not just habitually, with no desire to change, live in it. I hope that that makes sense to you. Because if you're a true Christian, you know, we have to fight with that sin. And listen, there's times that we're going to fight with sin, and there's going to be times that we fall to that sin. But a true believer will never live in that sin. Does that make sense to you? You can fight with sin, You can even fall to sin at times, but you will not live in that sin. So let me ask you the obvious question now. Have you given up in any area of sin in your life? Have you just given up like, you know, I'm doing good in this area, in this area, but I'm throwing up the white flag in this area because I'm just, I can't seem to get a grip on this one area of my life. Let me just say this to you. Don't ever give up. Don't ever get up. We are called to abide in Christ. We are called to walk in Him. We are called to be just like Him. We're told in 1 Peter 1.15, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Why? Because it is written, You shall be holy even as I am holy. Let me ask you, are you walking in that lifestyle? Are you walking in a lifestyle like, God, I I just, I desire to please you. And sometimes we have to be confronted on the things that we're living in, the things that are uncomfortable to talk about. And maybe you find yourself where you have slipped into a pit and you're not comfortable talking about it with anyone else. Hey, I understand that. And that's why we have counseling available at Core Church Los Angeles. You know, you can give us a call. And you can talk to one of our pastors and look, they don't, they don't need to know who you are, what your real name is or whatever, but our main goal is to help you and to encourage you in this walking relationship with Christ. But let me hit a little bit closer to home now. If there is someone that's listening on the radio right now and you find yourself living in a sin, meaning you're practicing it, you're habitually falling to this sin. It's like, I want to strongly encourage you to really repent of that sin, to say, God, I'm sorry. But not just that, God, I'm sorry, but God, I really need you to help me in this area. I feel like I'm losing the battle. Listen, God wants to help you. He wants to restore you, and he wants to refresh you. So if you find yourself where you become like that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter, and you need to get back right with the Lord, because let's not forget, God said, it's not that my hand is short, I can't reach you, or my ear is dull that I can't hear you. 
but your sin has made a separation between us. And so if you'd like to get back with the Lord, listen, you have to come on his terms. And what are his terms? Come just as you are and come with a repentant heart that you're willingly ready to start changing. And if that's you, you pray this right now. God will hear you. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for me. Yes, I believe they buried you, and I believe you rose again from the dead. But Lord, I need you. Come inside of me. Help me with my area of struggle, Lord. You know what it is, Lord. I so need your help. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior and friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Listen, I got a Bible I want to send you. It's got all kinds of notes to help you walk with the Lord. Email me your name and your address to Bible at CoreChurchLA.com. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 